insight into the DNA of Sierra Bible Church and what we're all about. Uh, and so this week, we're going to share a little bit about our, what's happening in our children's ministry. And then next week, we're going to launch, we, we do a, a thing called Vista every year, which gives you an idea of what we did last year. And I'm going to share some of our vision uh, next week and what we're trying to accomplish uh, in the coming year. And so if you're new to the church uh, or, or you're, you're wondering what we're all about, you've come at the right time because we're, we're really going to uh, hone in on what we're all about and what makes us tick and what makes us uh, Sierra Bible Church in Truckee. So um, we, we decided this week that it would be good for us to show you uh, what our children's ministry is up to, and then I'm going to preach uh, a little bit on the heels of what you're going to hear. But uh, it's been two years, two years and eight months since Wayne and I transitioned. So uh, for those of you who've been part of, part of that, uh, Wayne pastored this church faithfully for uh, quite a long time and then uh, transitioned leadership over to myself two years and eight months around that time ago, which is crazy. It's almost been three years. Uh, for some of you, you don't, I'm all you know, and so you don't care. Others, you're still mourning, and we, we love you. It's okay. Um, <clears throat> so uh, one of the things in that first year uh, I was trying to make an effort of not making any major changes to the church. It just, we went through a major change. It was a change in leadership and all that. And then Bev Schnobrick, who ran our children's ministry uh, for years, for well over 20 years, came to me and she said, I've, I've faithfully served. I'm done. And I said, no, you're not. Please give me a few more months. And she said, no, I, I, I can't. I'm, I'm done at this date, and we need to transition, you, and, and you, need to, <laughs> you need to figure this out. That's basically uh, what she said. And, um, and I was like, okay, Lord, this is a big deal. Our kids are a big deal. We've got a lot of families in our church, a lot of kids that we're discipling. And, uh, and so um, through a conversation, ended up that Joe and Abby uh, became part of our staff, and they've ran with the Children's Church for well over two years now, for over two years. And they have done an incredible job. Abby's ability to teach, Joe's ability to administrate and organize and dial in that vision. And so what we're going to do, they've launched this, what's behind me, they've launched this with the kids next door. And I wanted them to share it with you because it's a big part of what makes us our church. And so you're going to get to see, you get to sit in on what we're doing with our kids and our families next door. And you get to uh, a chance to really see a major part of our church. Because what's happening, like what happens in this room is important, Yeah. Yep. What happens over there is really important. And, and that's our future. And we want to disciple young kids. And I, I didn't want us to all go next door because we wouldn't fit. And, and so I've asked them to come here. And so I want to, uh, you guys to uh, warmly welcome Joe and Abby Casey. Would you guys come on up? And I'm going to share with you for the next few minutes. Thank you. I'm Joe. This is Abby, my wife. We are your children's church directors. Um, and before Abby gets started, I'm just going to go over a few things. Give Abby a hand of a round of applause there. She'll be back. She'll be back. Um, I just wanted to express some thanks and gratitude to all of our helpers and our leaders, our teachers. Um, the idea behind this was six months ago was first planted, the seed was planted by uh, Bev, Bev Schnobrick. She was taking a, an apologetics course. And she had called me or approached me and talked about really the importance of um, relaying to the kids more of a cohesive, uh, big picture story. So what you see here is God's big story. Um, 
We met with Bev and all of our other big group leaders several times and developed the idea. And um, it was about, I guess, six or eight months into it. And now you see the, the, the finished product of it. We're still working it out. We did um, all of January, we did uh, the same big group. Abby led the same big group for a month for, to demonstrate to the teachers, demonstrate to the, other, uh, to the kids, and to get them to um, get on um, you know, board with this, to, to really start to um, ingrain it into their memories and um, help them understand that they're a part of this. They're a part of God's big story. Um, and we'll talk a little bit more about that. But for now, I just want to thank some people who have uh, been a huge influence and help and uh, guidance for us. Um, first, our God, our great God and Savior, um, and Jesus Christ, our Lord. Um, thank you, Lord. The church staff. Uh, the transition for us was not an easy one, but we felt that we had plenty of support from everybody, and the people that uh, were so instrumental in that were obviously Pastor Jesse. Pastor Wayne was over there praying with us, preparing us, um, getting those teachers ready, um, to deliver the message to the kids on a weekly basis for a while there. And uh, to, so thank you guys. Uh, Brad Knoll, um, Caleb, uh, Franklin's, Pam, Brad, who am I missing? Um, thank you all so much for your patience and your guidance and your help getting us to where we feel comfortable in our roles now. And now we're just ready to, to launch this thing and uh, build on it from here. So... Uh, I do have to thank Derek Phillips, our graphic design guy. We gave Derek a rough sketch of what we're doing, what we wanted to do. He took it, made it look cool, sent it back, and gave it to Jim Mathias, who is our art director, we could call him, and our uh, Spanish uh, ministry leader. Um, and he painted this, <coughs> excuse me, along with um, some other helpers he had, which I'll mention here in a minute. But... Um, the big group leaders who helped develop this thing, Bev, Carol, Susan, uh, Carol Anderson, Susan, Bailey, Abby, and Allie Richardson. Um, those are our big group leaders. Uh, should I explain? I get, big group is 30 minutes. Um, well, you'll see it. I'll, I'll save that for Abby. Uh, they all met with us on several occasions to develop this, and it took, a, it took some time, um, and... I really just want to make sure that, that Bev, Carol, and Susan um, get the praise that they deserve because they, they were a big part of developing this. So thank you, ladies, if, if you're in here. There you are. I already thanked my in-laws. They're not here. Uh, the rest of the teachers. So I'm, I'm just going to run through this list really quickly. Save your applause for the end. And if you'd like to stand up, teachers, and be recognized, please do. If not, uh, just hide behind your neighbor. Amber Finch, she was here earlier. Anne-Marie Schleusner, Ariane Lynn, Brigitte Vandehey, uh, Carol Anderson, Daisy Cole, Dave Robertson, Gigi Greenberger, Greg Schleusner, Katie Daniels, Lacey Richardson, Lily Palmer, Mavis Bowes, Pam McCarthy, Russell Grant, Sandy Hoig, Hoig did it again, Hoig. Shelly Braden, Sue Beer, Susan Bailey, Todd Braden, a couple more, uh, Dave Pastrell, Jenny Howard, John Howard, Kate Cuneo, uh, Maggie Schleusner, Russell Grant, Sue Pastrell, Travis Shafarzik, 
Our check-in booth, led by Kathy Heilig. Thank you, Kathy. Daisy Cole, Kate Cuneo, Katie Daniels, Pam McCarthy, Kathy Floor, Sue Pastorell, and the art team, Amaya Correa, uh, Jamie Howard, Megan Trenholm, uh, Jim, and the rest. So stand on up if you could, if you'd like to, and receive a round of applause. Okay, um, so you're going to see in a minute a small demonstration of what we've been doing in Children's Church for the past month. Um, Abby's going to do a quick walkthrough and explanation of the different themes of our story here. And um, our philosophy behind this was to provide for the kids a a biblical, obviously, a theocentric worldview. And, and the drive behind it really was for me, it, it was a worldview that I didn't necessarily receive at a young age. I was aware of the, some things, but I didn't come to Christ until later in my life. And I don't want you young kids to wait to give your lives to Jesus. Um, he deserves your loyalty, and he deserves you to serve him, for you to serve him. For the rest of your lives and if you can start that now um, things will go a whole lot better not only for you but for the world that needs you you understand okay um, so God's big story I'm gonna play a video here for a minute which just kind of gives a synopsis of and an overview of what we've been doing and this is a video that the kids have seen several times the teachers have seen several times and it's just a way to reinforce the ideas behind really what we're doing. So play that video, please. There is only one story that answers life's most essential questions and gives a lasting sense of purpose and meaning. It's the story that inspires all other stories. It's the true story that defines every one of us. This is that story. How did it all begin? Like all stories, this one begins in the beginning with the author, who is God. He spoke everything into being. With a word, galaxies appeared with stars and planets. Earth was designed for life to flourish. Everything God made was gloriously good and breathtakingly perfect. The highlight of God's creation was the first man and woman, Adam and Eve. God entrusted everything he created to his beloved children, giving just one rule. They were not to eat fruit from a specific tree. They lived in loving obedience, worshiping God as their heavenly father, and enjoying perfect harmony with creation, each other, and God. Considering our world today, its obvious perfect peace didn't last. Turmoil, war, sickness, troubles. We each have our share. What went wrong? It started when a fallen angel named Satan grew jealous of God and determined to ruin the perfection of creation. Satan took the form of a serpent and enticed Adam and Eve to question God's goodness and rebel against his one rule. In disobedience, they ate the fruit and peace unraveled, ushering in sin and death, which still plagues us today. If we are honest, we are very much like Adam and Eve. 
we all rebel against our Heavenly Father, making our hearts heavy with fear, guilt, and shame. Our bodies are weary with sickness, disease, and death. Earth is afflicted with storms, calamities, and disasters. Even worse, sin has separated us from God, causing a permanent divide, a miserable separation called hell. The fallout of sin has been catastrophic. It's inescapable with no way to fix it, leaving us all to wonder, is there any hope? The love that prompted God to create us also prompted Him to send a Savior who would set everything right again. As centuries passed, God shared exact details of the coming Savior's birth, life, and death. Everything in the Bible points to this rescuer. Almost 2,000 years ago, Jesus came to earth as God the Son to fulfill the promise. He was born miraculously, as His mother was a virgin. Just like us, Jesus grew up and experienced life on earth. But unlike us, Jesus never sinned and always obeyed the Father. When Jesus was in his 30s, he began teaching all around Israel, pointing people to God's kingdom and performing many miracles. After a few years, he was wrongly accused and sentenced to an agonizing death on a cross. Jesus lovingly gave up his perfect life as a sacrifice to pay for the sins of mankind. He died a perfect death, taking our place, the innocent for the guilty. But the grave couldn't hold Jesus. Three days later, God brought Jesus to life again. Jesus defeated sin by dying on the cross and defeated death by rising from the dead. Today, Jesus sits at God's right hand as king and judge over all creation. This is the story of rescue God has authored. He invites us, through repentance and faith, to make His story of rescue the one we trust in and live from. When we do, everything changes. And now, what will the future hold? For everyone who trusts in Jesus alone for rescue, God has promised to restore your heart and set you free from sin's hold. Because God is loving, kind, merciful, forgiving, tender-hearted, and true. God has also promised to make all things new. One day, there will be a new heaven and a new earth, forever free from sin. Everything that causes pain and sadness will be gone. God has also promised to be with us forever. The moment you trust in Jesus, your relationship with God is restored because Jesus has closed the divide sin caused. Getting to know this all-loving God starts today and continues forever. For God's story never ends. You can make God's story the foundation of your life even now by admitting your need for God's rescue asking forgiveness for your sin, trusting in Jesus Christ alone to rescue you, following Jesus in faith from this moment on. This is God's story. Will you make it yours?
we're going to show you how we do big group next door. So can I get all the kids to come up here with me like we do for big group? Come on up here. You're going to sit right here in front of me, in front of our poster. <laughs> oh, there's a lot. Good. All right, so the video that you guys just saw is what we've shown to the kids, and this is our version of God's Big Story. So on the very first day that we showed this to them and explained it, we came up with hand signals for each of the words, and then the kids came up with different hand motions to go with each of them. Uh, so we're going to show you what those are today, and I'm going to have the kids do some different things, and anytime I ask them to do something, if you guys could participate as well and do the same thing, uh, that would be wonderful. Uh, so we're going to start... At the beginning. What? So we're going to go over this. You guys are going to show them how we do things in the story. Okay. So when we think about God's big story and we see this picture, what's the first thing that God shared with us in his story in the Bible? <gasps> yes. Can you add on to that a little bit? What's this first one? Creation. He created the heavens and the earth. Good. So when we see this, um, I'm going to show you our hand motion for it, and then you guys repeat after me and we'll do it together. Ready? Creation. Creation. God made something out of nothing. Good. You guys all stand up, and we're going to face the church, and we're going to teach them this hand motion. Are you ready? Okay. Creation. Creation. God made something out of nothing. Good job. Go ahead and sit back down. So when we see... Yeah, good job. When we see this picture up here, and when we think about the things God created and the verses in the Bible that we know about creation, what comes into your mind? What do you think about when you think about creation? So when you have an answer for that, everybody, anything that comes to mind, put your thumb right here when you have something in your brain. It could be a verse. It could be something he created. And can you guys turn and talk to your neighbor about it? And then when I want you guys to be done, I'm going to put my hand like this. And you put your hand like this too, and that's going to show me that we're ready to come back together. Okay, share with your neighbor something you know. about creation something all right and come on back <laughs> thank you thank you pastor okay good who wants to share something what's something you know about creation or something that God created Brayden Yes, he said God created the heavens and the earth. That comes straight from Genesis 1-1. So if you know Genesis 1-1, can you say it with me? Ready? Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So we have our PowerPoint that we also show the kids. So we have a couple verses that go with that. So we know that God created us. One of the reasons for that was so that he could have a relationship with us. And when he first created the earth, everything was as it should be. There was no sin. There was no illness or anything bad yet. Everything was perfect. And that word that we use for that is shalom. Everybody say shalom. shalom. Good. But then, did everything stay perfect like this? Not so much. What happened? The fall and Satan. So when we say the fall, does that mean like I fall down all of a sudden? No, how about like something falls off the thing? No, what does fall mean? What do we mean? Sin, you got it. So this is our hand motion for sin. Ready? Sin. Sin. Humans rejected God. Good, stand up and we're going to show everybody that one. 
<laughs> Ready? Sin. Sin. Humans rejected God. Awesome job. Go ahead and sit down. So when humans rejected God, sin entered the world, and the Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So man rebelled against God, and now that relationship that God created us to be in with him is broken. There's a separation between us and God. So that's a problem, right? Did God leave us with that problem? No. He didn't. So the next thing that happened is redemption. Um, let's do our hand motion for redemption. Ready? You don't have to stand up again for this one. Redemption redemption buy back what was lost good so i'm gonna ask you to do the same thing that we did with creation when you see this picture and what you know about or with what you know about redemption what comes into your mind there should be a lot of bible verses for that one or it could be an experience that you've had or anything what's something that you think of when you see this picture and you see redemption thumbs right here when you have something in your mind yeah, and same thing, go ahead and talk to somebody next to you about what you're thinking. Good. And come on back up here. Who wants to share something that you think of when you think of redemption? Yeah. So why are you saying sadness? That is true. So Christ died for us, which was very sad. But did he stay dead? No. Then he rose again. You got it. Three days later, he rose again, so now we can be happy about it. So if you look up at our PowerPoint for that one, too, now we have reconciliation with God. He sent his son to die for us so that we no longer have to have brokenness and separation from him. He paid the ransom for our sins. But in the world, even though Jesus came to redeem us, there's still sin in the world, there's still illness, there's still destruction, but one day... God is going to restore all things back to the way they should be with the new heavens and the new earth. And Christ is going to sit on his throne as king. So this is the tricky one. Let's do our hand motion for restoration. Ready? Restoration. Make something good again. You got it. Good job. So the last thing that we do when we're teaching our lessons next door is we take the actual Bible lesson for the day, which you can see over here, and we tie it in to God's big story somehow. Like Joe said, we want the kids to be able to um, see where our lessons fit in so that they're not all just disconnected. So our lesson today is about Jesus performing a miracle. So two, over two years ago, we started in the book of Genesis, and we went through all of the narratives of the Old Testament, and now we just started in the New Testament. So we had Christmas with Jesus, being born, and then at the beginning of, well, just a couple weeks ago, we learned about somebody who paved the way for Jesus. You guys remember who that was? You got it, John the Baptist. So we learned about John the Baptist preparing the way for Christ, and then we learned about Christ being tempted in the wilderness, and now Christ says, can you guys sit all the way up, please? And now we're learning about uh, Christ's ministry. So today he performs the miracle of healing a man who is paralyzed and 
forgiving his sins. So when we look at the poster, we can look at this as a timeline, and each of these can kind of be a theme that we can find in a lesson. So uh, his miracle here, we would say, fits in somewhere right here. Christ has come, but he has not yet died on the cross yet. So that's where it would be on the timeline. But then if we're thinking of it more as like a theme, um, it would be restoration is what we would talk about. He's restoring the man's body, and he's also restoring him... um, back to himself with a right relationship and forgiving his sins. So that's what we're going to be learning more about next door as we go. But I just wanted to share one more thing. Um, all of the lessons, we have parent and, well, just devotionals, family devotionals for the kids, and they're on the website every week. Um, so tomorrow you'll be able to see, like, different questions and things that go along with that if you want to take a look at that with your kids or If you don't have kids, you could still look at it if you want to. Um, But then also, we just want to invite anybody who wants to help out next door. We can always use more helpers and teachers um, for, I mean, we have a lot of just kind of different roles that um, need filling over there. So if anybody would like to be a part of Kids Church, uh, you can contact us, sbckids at sbctrucky.com, sorry. Um, Or just, you know, give one of us a call or come talk to me or after anything would work. But um, we would love to have you if you want to serve with us. So we're going to head next door right now. Go ahead and stand up. And let's go. Okay, so I know... I know I'm probably more impressed than all of you are because it's kind of, this stuff's like a big deal. There's a lot of effort, a lot of time, uh, a lot of energy uh, that's placed into that. One of the things that I shared in the first service at the end um, is, you know, to have, to have Joe and Abby here, just what an incredible miracle it really is. Six years ago, uh, many of you, some of you don't know this, uh, but a, a life-altering event happened uh, in my family when my, my dad passed away, and he died in a... a in a race car accident, he was he was uh, driving race cars down in Fernley, and uh, he in fact was part of um, uh, the first double fatality in a race car accident in like 20, 20 years or something like that. It was a really big deal for us, and that was on uh, on a particular date. And on that same exact day w- was the same day that Joe Casey gave his life to Jesus, and uh, he was saved here at this church. Was single when he was saved here at the at the church. He went through the internship program. And for him to be up here now, it's just, it's just an incredible thing. It's a big deal. He's, he's uh, if you notice, he's not, as, he's not very expressive. He's not a very expressive guy. But his wife is, so thank God that she balances uh, that out. Um, but uh, he, he has really brought some structure to, um, to the program. And as you can see, what the kids are learning over there is, is really incredible. And, and we wanted to share this in part to share with you, you know, we do really care about families here at Sierra Bible Church. We, we want to pour into the next generation. <clears throat> but I think I also need to say this because I, I have heard this at times, you know, that, that if you're single, that God loves you too, just so you know. Jesus loves single people. In fact, in fact, the Bible actually says it's better to be single because you're not, you're not, your interests are not divided. You can be full in on the gospel. And, and I have experienced that kind of pull. I, I've been at home and been like, I've got to go do this for the church. And my wife will say, no, uh-uh. Not today, you don't. You're not doing it today. You're at home with the kids. You're at home with the family. And so if you're single, I just want you to know we, we love you. We want you to be a part of our church. We want you to feel comfortable. Uh, and if you don't have kids, we, we want you to still feel comfortable here as well. God, 
God, really, the family should be a diverse family. And by God's grace, we are a multi-generational church. We have a lot of families. We've got older people. We've got single people. We've got young people. And so we're thankful for them. Um, so this week, we're going to cover uh, a little bit of this just for a few more minutes, and then I'll let you guys leave. And uh, next week, I, like I said, we're going to share Vista and, and where we're going, where we're headed. As a Kind of just to give you an idea of one of the things that I'm going to talk about a little bit next week, what I'll share now, is that Joe Casey came on staff a couple years ago part-time, and we are trying to get the budget to a place uh, and get the church to a place where he's here full-time and that he and Abby can put all of their uh, attention full-time into the program. You can see what we're getting for part-time is pretty dang incredible, but uh, we're trying to build uh, to that place. So that's something out there in the future that we're building towards. Hopefully, in the next year to two years, we'll be able to do that. And then after we do all of that, I, I have to head out of town again uh, for some district stuff uh, that and several of the staff members are joining me on. And Dave Pastrell is going to be teaching uh, an overview of Genesis to prepare us for what? Do you, do you know what we're doing next? Exodus. So we're going to spend about eight months in Exodus. Uh, that's already kind of been planned out for us on the church calendar. And so we're gearing up for that and getting excited for that. In the bookstore right now, uh, all kinds of little plugs here this morning, we have the ESV journals uh, that many of you request and ask for each time we do a book of the Bible. Uh, we make these available in the bookstore for you for purchase. It has, uh, the, it's, so for instance, this is the book of Exodus uh, on one side, and on the inside is a place to take notes. Uh, in the past, I, I used to have people complain that we didn't give uh, enough space on the handouts for notes. So this is an answer to that. Uh, you can buy your own paper, and you can take notes. And, you know, um, and then I'll say this too. As she mentioned, uh, the newsletter and all that, again, if you tear out that thing in your bulletin, you fill that out, You'll get the newsletter. That's where these devotions also get sent that she mentioned, uh, as well as on the website. But we've also made for purchase uh, in the bookstore for you for $3, these little kids' catechisms, uh, New City Catechisms. Anybody familiar with a catechism? You know what a catechism is? Uh, okay, many of you do. So it's just a million-dollar word for basically teaching, uh, in short, what we believe and why we believe. So if you've been part of our church for any length of time, you know we care deeply about the gospel of Jesus Christ and his teachings, and, his, and, and, and we care deeply about doctrine and theology. Those are big words. Some people say doctrine divides, and I would say, no, doctrine unifies, and, and, and all of those things are theology. Jo, uh, Joe just mentioned he wants to teach the kids that which is theocentric. So everyone in the room, everyone in the world is a theologian. Did you know that? Did you know that? Anytime you have a thought about God, whether it's, I don't think God exists, that's still a thought about God. That's theology. So you're either a good theologian or you're a bad theologian. Um, so if you don't believe in God, that makes you a bad theologian. And we do believe in God, and we want you to know uh, the things about God that, that are important. And so a catechism like this, let me give you an example if I can find the... Um, we just got out of Galatians, so here's one of the, the questions. My wife does this at, at, uh, uh, at the table with the kids. She reads these, uh, and then the kids answer with something that's memorable. So here's the question in the catechism. Can anyone keep the law of God perfectly? No. Okay, so you got the basic answer. That's it. We just move on. No. The, the, the answer in the catechism is this. Since the fall, no human has been able to keep the whole law of God perfectly. No one can do it. Perfectly. And then it goes on, and, and, and here's the deal. We want good theology because good theology changes the mind. Uh, good, good mind a good mind is going to change how you live and how you, you walk and, and the kind of impact that you have. And so when you have right thinking, you have right living. 
And, and if you have right living, that alleviates a lot of the oppression and depression and all those negative things that happen in life. And, and when you have right thinking about God, it gives God glory. It, it gives you a bigger view of God. It makes you worship. It makes you go from inside to outside in worshiping who Jesus is. So make sure you grab one of these. Uh, one of the parents told me, I, I need this. Uh, and, and maybe you do. You, maybe you need that. Um, in fact, uh, my wife was sitting down with the kids. We do a lot of the stuff at the dinner table, which I don't always know why we do because dinner's the hardest time to do it. Kids are not focused. In it. But <clears throat> she, she asked Jonah, which is our second boy. He's seven years old. She said, okay, uh, name the books of the Bible. And I, I didn't know he could do this, but almost to perfection. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. He kept going all the way through Galatians and Ephesians and Philippians. He, he has all, almost to perfection all 66 books of the Bible memorized. And I, I looked at her and I go, when did he learn that? And she said, children's church. They go through it every single Sunday. And my, my boy does a better job uh, spouting off the books of the Bible than I do. And I, I didn't, I didn't want to tell him that. You're smarter than I am. Um, you never want to tell your kids that. You always want to let them feel like you're smarter than um, So anyways, all that to be said, this is really good stuff. So let me just share with you a little bit in addition to to what Joe and Abby shared that it's important uh, for us to know. First of all, creation and that first phase that she mentioned in creation, we recognize and understand that God created, that God created everything out of nothing. And we are created in God's image. And in Genesis, we are given in the, the moment of creation, this is what you need to know this morning, we are given our value, our sense of value, and our real sense of identity. Genesis 1, 26 says, then God said, let, let what? Us make man in our image after our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish and of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over the earth, every creeping thing that creeps on earth. We're told uh, exactly who we are. We're made in the image of God. We are unlike every other creation. We, we are not like the apes. We are not like dogs. We're not like kittens. We are unique. We and we alone bear the image of God. That gives you a sense of your importance and a sense of your identity. And we, we've been created to be in relationship with God. So God creates us, and we're in the garden. It's beautiful. It's amazing. We're walking with God, and we get a true sense of his glory and his amazingness and, and, and what we were created for. It tells us not only our identity, but also our purpose. He says, you're going to have dominion over the earth. So, so in that teaching here, we're told that we should actually care. We should actually care about the world that we live in, about the place in which we live. So this isn't just a liberal thing where liberals say, hey, listen, you, you've got to worry about climate. You've got to worry. Like, that should be a Christian thing. Not, not that we're worried about the climate in the sense that they are, but in the sense that we care about our world. Like someone, I don't have it with me this morning because I don't have it. But somebody bought me a permanent bottle to use up here because they, they didn't want to see me wasting uh, these these things every single week. And, and I, I'm sorry, I don't have <laughs> we should, I'm killing the planet, I know. Um, so there's this perfection that we have, and there's a purpose that we understand. And we, because we're made in God's image, we bear marks that are similar to God. So for instance, you know why we create? Because God's a creating God. We want to create, we bear his image. I mean, how, isn't it really neat uh, in our little community uh, in this church that we have the 
graphic ability that we have in our church. It's just absolutely amazing. The pieces of artwork that get churned out here every week and, and the, the digital stuff that, that uh, Derek makes. And I mean, you have some, I hope you don't take it for granted, you have some very, very gifted people in this church that put a lot of work into glorifying God through their creation. But you know what they can't do? Like, I've never seen uh, Jim when he's painted. I've never seen him create paint. He can't. Because only God can create something out of nothing. We have to take actual stuff, uh, and, but God did it out of, uh, out of nothing. And, and here's the Westminster, um, uh-oh. Is the clicker back there or did Joe take it? <laughs> oh, that's the perfect spot for it. Um, <laughs> So Westminster Confession, which is a tool I use, again, for, for good, uh, like, to-the-point, uh, heady doctrine. Uh, we have uh, some of these in the bookstore, uh, and they're, they're just really good. But this is the confession. It says, it pleased God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, who are all there in the beginning. There's the Trinity. For the manifestation of the glory of his eternal power, wisdom, and goodness in the beginning to create or make out of nothing the world and everything in it, whether visible or invisible, in the space of six days. And it was what? It was good, and I want you to notice something. It says in the confession that it was for his glory. You and I care about glory. We long for glory. It's something you have to understand about creation. When you read Genesis, and if you ask somebody, what is Genesis chapter 1 about? Uh, a lot of people will say it's about creation. It isn't about creation. Creation's happening in Genesis 1, but what Genesis 1 is actually about is God. We're being introduced to God, and he happens to be creating in Genesis 1, but it's about God. Because ultimately, we long to get our, our glory, our, our adoration, our affection all from God and give it back to God. We want glorious things. Uh, you can see this just in sports. So I know there's several of you here uh, this morning. That you're, you're mourning and you're sad because your 49ers didn't win the Super Bowl. Okay? Now, since I don't care about the 49ers, I'm not sad. <laughs> I know you are, and I feel really sorry for you. Um, <clears throat> however... When you, when you watch that game, and I know, I know many of you did, right? we long for glorious stuff. There's something about an awesome touchdown that makes us go, yes! There's something about, about when, we, you know, we're, we're, as a nation, there's many, many individuals who are mourning the loss of Kobe Bryant. And I saw a thing this morning of Kobe Bryant at a dunk contest and putting the ball through his legs in the air and dunking the ball and the crowd going wild, a glorious, weighty moment. And what happens is, is we, we, when we don't get that gloriousness from God, when we don't focus it on God, we make things of the world, this is part of the fall, we make things of the world more weighty than they really should be. We exchange them. Instead of, instead of getting glory from God, we want glory for ourselves. Instead of getting glory from God, we try to get glory from stuff and from moments. And, and there are many people, I know I have friends that, that they're bummed out because the football season's over. They, they, don't have, they don't have six hours now to sit down and try to live vicariously through the glory of somebody else on the screen. Are you with me? We exchange those moments, and, and, and that is because of the fall. And when the fall occurred, this is, uh, again, to quote Westminster's confession, uh, they say this, by sin, they, this is Adam and Eve, fell from their original righteousness, which they had and communion with God, and so became so, listen to this, this is heavy language here, but it's true. They became so dead in sin and wholly defiled in all parts and faculties of soul and body. It, dead, totally dead in soul and in spirit. And then he goes on in the confession, its explanation of it in the book says this, we're not merely weakened, weary, or sick. 
This is a cancer we cannot cure, a walking death, a plight from which we cannot help ourselves. It is a spiritual death and more. This walking death and decay on sin shows itself in all of our parts and faculties. All our powers, abilities, qualities, capacities are infected by sin. So, so the fall is Adam and Eve saying, I want to be my own God. I don't have to listen to what God says. I'm going to partake of the apple, which is the knowledge of good and evil, because I actually know what's right for me. It's taking God's stuff and making it like a God, or it's taking God's stuff and doing whatever you want with it with no, no attention towards what God has to say, but you're just doing it for you. That, that's the apple, and now we partake in that. We're born in Adam's sin, and we choose at times, even as Christians, because sin still exists, we still can choose the things of the world to try to make us happy rather than God. Are you with me this morning? Does anyone experience this this morning? Did anyone get up and, and, and have a bad moment, a bad morning, a, a particular uh, something in your week? I mean, so for instance, I, I, uh, I, went down to, <laughs> I went down to Disneyland last week. That's where I was. So like, that place is crazy. People are crazy. And, and while I was down there, I ended up getting some kind of cold, so I've had it for like the last couple of weeks. I'm like, I feel fine, but it's still in my voice and still in my nose, and I can sense and feel the, the weight of the fact that, that sin is, is on me. Sickness is on me, and I just want to get rid of it. And the, what happens in the fall is we lose, without the gospel, without Jesus, we start to lose all hope. Some of you, not, not all of you, I, I noticed this in the first service, um, some of you are aware at the Golden Globes this year, Ricky Gervais was the, uh, the speaker, the MC. Now, in the first service, I, I did a little survey. Some of you apparently don't know who Ricky Gervais is, and some of you don't care. Ricky Gervais is a comedian, and um, he, he's known, for instance, for creating the hit TV show The Office, the UK version, and then there was an American version. And he's an all-around kind of funny guy. <clears throat> And he is a staunch liberal, okay? And, and not only is he a staunch liberal, he is a staunch, hard-headed atheist. He is very outspoken uh, against God. He does not believe God exists. He, he thinks that if you go to church, you are a weirdo. And he is very vocal about it on his uh, Twitter feed. He's, he's known for actually starting fights with people about this idea that God exists. He's just, he just does not agree uh, with the Bible, does not agree that God exists, thinks it's silly that if you believe that he exists. And so he stands up and he, he bombast, he just, he hammers the, the Hollywood group that is in there. I mean, he, if you watch the video, it, for, many, for many people who know and, and are conservative, they were like, thank you, Ricky, for telling Hollywood to shut up, okay? That's basically what he was, he was praised for and also criticized for. But before he began to just, 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 dig in to the Hollywood rich elite. He said this. He said, this is the last time I'm ever going to do this award show because he believes he'll be kicked off forever. And he says this. This is a reminder. He says, a reminder. Now, before I say anything that I'm going to say, he says this. It's just jokes. We're all going to die soon, and there is no sequel. Okay, I want, you to, I want you to hear this. That statement from the Golden Globes epitomizes the belief of atheism. Uh, that, that if there is no God... I don't believe there's a God. What is the intellectual result of that? Don't worry about anything. Do whatever you want. You're going to die, and there's no sequel. There's no hope in that statement. 
Are you with me? That's sad. What, What Ricky shared there is that when there is no God, there is no hope. And that's the reality. If you don't believe that God created you, there is no purpose. And that's the biggest problem atheism has is that if you take God out of the picture, there is no purpose and there is no morality. There are no rules. None at all, okay? And that's what we're seeing in our culture as a whole is the degradation of those things. So that's the fall. And when you fall, you start, you still are going to, we've said this before, you're still going to worship something. No one's worship neutral. You're still going to run after something. You're still going to look for glory in something. And the Bible says that when you do that, you're actually making good things like God things. They become ultimate things. And then, then they become idols. The Bible calls them idols. In regards to idols, idols take much and give little. Yeah? You ever notice that? When you, when you consume of something that is an idol in your life, it does give you something, but it gives very little, but then it always demands more back. Are you with me? Uh, alcoholism is, is the picture of that, right? That idol, when you drink, it gives you something, gives you a buzz, gives you something. But if you do it in, in a way that is sinful and you fall into sin, that alcoholism will take and rip from you and steal from you, yeah? I know that for, uh, firsthand. My biological father, full-blown alcoholic, and it has, it, that idol has stripped much from my family and from him. So that's corruption. Then there's the redemption. We know that as the center of the gospel, Jesus dies on the cross for our sins on our behalf. Isn't that glorious? That that is, is, as she mentioned, it's to buy back or it's recreation. You become born again, become new. And what happens in this, just so you know, this is a big deal for for a part of who we are as Christians and what we're about at Sierra Bible Church. The recreation, you get born again, and in a sense then, those of us who are born again, our job, our job then, back to Genesis, is to make the garden present to the best of our ability in our current culture and time. So that is to say that, that, that we should have cultural impact in a way that makes the world a better place because we've been born again, so we're moving from bad to best always. Uh, so one of the questions I ask the staff and I've asked our leaders and I ask myself all the time about our church is this. If, if, if Sierra Bible Church was picked up and moved out of the area, it disappeared and it went away, would anybody care? Would anybody notice? What would the town of Truckee be like? Is the town of Truckee better because Sierra Bible Church exists and its people within these walls exist or is it worse off? Like, if we just disappeared, would anyone care? And I honestly can tell you that because God has saved us and he's really done something in our lives, we reach out into this community. This community knows that we love this community, not because they can do something for us, not because they're against us, but because they're made in God's image. So every year, Brad, Brad Noel takes a few people down to the school, and he feeds all of the teachers. And you know what happens every time he does it? The teachers are like, why are you doing this? Right? And what do you, what do you tell them, Brad? <laughs> We're tricking you. <laughs> trying to suck you in. <laughs> right? I've been guilty of saying before, if it feels like I'm trying to convert you, it's because I am. Okay? <laughs> I am. I want you to know God. I want you to know Jesus. Now, now he doesn't do that. We don't go down there because people have even said, well, when you do some of these events, you're not preaching the gospel. Well, we're going to preach the gospel at some point, but we need to show these people like Jesus. They're going to show up on the scene and, and actually show them that we care. This town needs to know you love this town. Now, I know we've got crazy people who visit us every week. 
Okay, I know roundabouts suck. Okay, I get it. I know all of those things. But you have to love Truckee. You have to love Tahoe. You have to. Why? Because Jesus loves them. Do you know that? That gaper that cuts you off on the hill? The guy who can go down KT or whatever and he really shouldn't? <laughs> you have to love that person. You have to love them. The, the people who come in and they act like they own this place and they, they're only here for a couple weeks out of the year, right? The, all of those people God cares about. We have an, and, and if we lose that, the church dies. Do you hear me? This is super important to me as, as the guy who stands up front to say, if you lose the love of the sinner and the love of the community, the church shouldn't exist. It'll cease to exist. If the church comes to a place where it's only about the people here, the relationships here, the clicks here, the pouring into here, the church will die. Now, oh, okay. The reason this is important is, because, and I know this to be true, you can have a pastor who preaches the word of God faithfully week in and week out, but if that preacher does not tell that church to get outside, the church will die. Do you hear me? You can have good biblical teaching, but if you don't put it in practice out there, the church doesn't matter. Oh, I stressed out. Okay. See, either too much coffee or this is a huge conviction of mine. <clears throat> I'm going to send you to children's church if you're not careful. Okay, this is a big deal. This is a really big deal. Jesus has saved us not so that we could be in a holy huddle. <sighs> he saved us because he wants to see more Joe, Joe Casey's come to Jesus. He wants to see more people redeemed and and. And we need to invite people to church. We do. We need to invite people to community groups. We do. We need to go deep theologically. We do. We need to know doctrine. We do. We got to read. We got to listen to podcasts. We got to do all those things. But we have to love the sinner. You have to get outside and you've got to show this community that you love the community. And we do. I'm so thankful that we have doctors and teachers and, and people in the community who love Jesus who come to church here. In fact, there, there's a gal, she introduced herself to me. I had never met her before, and, and, um, and she, uh, she mentioned her last name. She said, I'm, my name's Chris. And I said, it's really nice. I've been coming here, and, and man, there's a lot of really good people here. And I was like, oh, that's awesome. And she said, yeah. And she, she shared her name, her full name. She said, my name is Chris Arth. And I was like, what? And she said, she said yeah, I, I'm, I'm married to Dr. Arth. And I about fell over, and I was like, oh, my God. I'm sure she hears this all the time. Dr. Arthur has been a pediatrician here in the community as long as I remember. And I, I told her I had this moment in my mind. I was like, all I could think about, because he was my doctor when I was a baby. <laughs> and I was like, man, I hope he never, I hope he, I want him to come to church here, but I hope he doesn't, because that guy has seen me in my worst. Like, <laughs> how many times have you checked on me, you know? Like, and, and, and my kids are seeing him. I'm like, how beautiful is it that people in the community who've been part of the community for years and are getting introduced to Jesus, and I don't know what God's doing in their family. I have no idea, but she's here, and that's amazing, and that's awesome, and, and to know that, that God's having a reach in our community. That's redemption. That's restoration. And, and when, when we receive this, you have to understand that we're being rescued right now, so not, not just from something, but to something. We've been rescued from darkness so that we could be used for light. We're being rescued from pride so that we can show true humility. We're being rescued from selfishness to, to show generosity. We've been rescued from lying so that we can share the good truth, rescued from hate 
to give love, rescued from folly, to give wisdom, rescued from vengeance, to give forgiveness, rescued from adultery, to be faithful, rescued from laziness so that we can be industrious, rescued from fear so we can be courageous, rescued from partiality so that we can show justice and rescued from hypocrisy so that we can show true integrity. The kingdom should be here and now just as much as it is in the future. It's tremendously good news. And then the result is that one day, as she shared in that last part of the poster, one day God is coming back again for his people. That cancer you have will be healed. The sadness that you have will be no longer. There'll be no more tear. There'll be, there'll be nothing. In fact, the Bible describes that day like the wedding, as a wedding supper. It's called the, the, the wedding supper of the Lamb. That day is like a wedding. Now, one of the things that I've gotten to do over the years, and I love doing it, is, <clears throat> is weddings. I've never been part of a bad wedding, by God's grace. <laughs> but, but there's something about, like, I, I love doing them because I get to stand right here, and there's a, a husband and a wife and to be, and they're standing there, and I get a front row. I get, to, I get a view no one else in the room has. And that's the view of God taking these two people, making them one flesh. I, I, can, I can, in those moments, I've seen the husband with, with you know, teary-eyed and, and having no idea what the next 30 years are really going to be like. <laughs> and, and, and the bride and all of her hope. And, and, I, and not only that, I, in the front row, I can, I can see the in-laws and what they're going to do to the marriage, you know? And the, all of that's there. It's just there, and it's, a, it's such a beautiful moment. And as beautiful as it is, there's, there's nothing quite like after that moment when everybody's having a good time. There's good, the good community. They're celebrating. And people who, who should never dance are dancing. <laughs> it's amazing. And the, what the Bible says is, the Bible says that when we go to heaven and when God redeems all things again, that it will be, it will be like a wedding, full of love, full of laughter, nothing but anticipation and nothing but hope. You know that's something that every human being longs for? I mean, this was hammered home to me when we were in Orange County last week. I mean, so first of all, let me just be honest. My, my family and I had an incredible time. It was a miracle. It was like Jesus walking on water. For me to be happy with that many people around me in Disneyland is a miracle. My kids, oh, man, just their laughter. And we put, we put our youngest daughter, she's, she's five, on a ride. She had no business being on. And uh, her little face, her little body heaving, you know. And then later I was like, did you like it? She's like, yeah. Want to do it again? No. <laughs> and just the, to, to experience, you know, like those, those things through your kids, you know, reliving. I know what it was like when I first experienced them. Those memories are there. And now as a father, I have all these new memories of my kids experiencing things for the first time. And the reason I say this is because Disneyland, Disneyland spends a ton of money to create a, a, a place of paradise, a, a place of hope, a, a place of expectation, a place where the impossible can happen. In fact, uh, it, it really, I've seen the sign so many times. I've been to Disneyland several times, I, and I've seen the sign as you walk in. I've seen it many times, but this time as a pastor, it just really hit home. You walk into Disneyland. If you remember, when you walk into that park above the bridge, reads the quote from Walt Disney, here you leave today and enter the world of yesterday, tomorrow, and fantasy. You know why Disneyland makes so much money? Because they're, they're appealing to something that is inside of every single human being to live for eternity in paradise. That's what they're selling. 
And, and I, I try to do everything I can to have a good time, right? But at the same time, all I can see is veneer, 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 fake. It's fake, it's fake, it's fake. Yet, yet we can enter in that place and know one day, one day there will be a place where you and I will go with faith in Jesus Christ that will blow Disneyland's just ears off. It'll just, it's gonna be, it's gonna be amazing. Walt has nothing on Jesus. Amen? So as the worship team comes up, <clears throat> I want you to um, hopefully leave with some encouragement and hope. I have a quote here. I want you to just, you can read these on your own, and they'll be in the, the newsletter and all that. But there's this quote here I came across that uh, really hammers this idea home with just the hope that we have in Jesus. Listen to this. Do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. That's from Matthew. Fear not. <laughs> That's so crazy. Fear not. You can only be killed. If that argument doesn't work for you, pray for altered priorities. Wow. I mean, that, that, that quote's really hammering home. You know what? Our faith in Jesus should be so large. Our hope in the eternal should be so large. Death, death has has no fear over it, no grip over us. And so as we think of God's big story, the good news is God loved you enough to fold you into his story. And you might be here this morning and, and wondering, what, is it, what would it be like? What would it be like to really live as if the kingdom was today? What, maybe you're asking that even as a Christian. What would it be like if I really lived like the kingdom of God is here today? And I can tell you, I think our community will be better off because of it. I think your life will be better off because of it. I think that you'll be happier, and I think this will be a happier place. Let's bring the goodness of Jesus into our lives today. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for, thank you just for wonderful leaders, wonderful church, wonderful people. I pray as we <clears throat> leave here, we would be excited for what it is that you have in store for us in the future. That you would do work in us and that you would do work through us. May we not be stuck inside of just these walls, Lord, but may we be really, truly sharing our faith in the community and seeing the community impacted because of your goodness. We trust that you'll empower us with that work, with your spirit, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Would you all stand with me? I think about how excited we can get over sports figures and roller coaster rides. I just can't even imagine. Can you what it's going to be like when we see our Savior one day? Isaiah gave us a little bit of a picture, and John did in Revelation as well. He says, I see the Lord seated on the throne. Let's think about that and express uh, that glory, how holy he is. I see the Lord. Oh!